bleep, bloop, bleep, bloop, 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 bleep. That's right, it's time for the Let's Go Web podcast with me, Chris, and... Me, Ashley. Hello, everybody. How are you, Ashley? I was better before that. <laughs> Standard. Uh, it's before... like you you think of a thing, but then you give it minimum effort. Well, how would you do it, then? I don't know. Put some oomph into it. Put Give it some gusto. Bleep, bloop, bleep, bloop. Like that. Oh, that's worse, actually. Yeah. No, you, exactly. were better, you were better off doing it the first way. I apologise and retract my statement. Go on, then you do it. That's what the fans I'm not want doing on, it. on social media. No, there's a reason. There's a reason I don't indulge in all that nonsense. And I'm not going to just get pressured into doing it now. So, there all you right. go. Told. Okay, yeah, that's me told. Before we start talking about the game this week, I just want to let you know that I have been quite unsettled all week because of Clock Tower. Really? It's preyed on my mind all week since we last played that's it. That's amazing. <laughs> How so? How has it done that? I've not had nightmares or anything, but just oh. the, the, the the sinisterness of it. The scissor man really got under my skin. That's amazing. That's and genuinely great. I haven't played it. I said I was going to play it. I was yeah. dead enthusiastic and then didn't You're play dead it. Into it. Yeah. But it's been bugging you, bothering you. Have you yeah. been like in the middle of your day and yeah. just found yourself staring out the window, seeing visions of the scissor man? It's just been that sense of dread that we, we talked about. Listening back to the episode, I, really? in, the, in the first half, I said, oh, yeah, it'd be fine. It's only on the snares. It's a 2D pixels. Oh, yeah, be no, no problems whatsoever. And yeah. then it's it's really scared me. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Like, it's, it was just really well done, wasn't it? I'm, we can't spend the rest of this episode gushing about how good Clock Tower was, but it's possibly one of the biggest and best surprises that we've had in the entire podcast, the, the whole 70-episode mm. run. I'm hoping that we're going to get something good to follow up with today. Well, let's get into it then, shall we? So well, I don't th- know what that means. <laughs> oh, worrying. This week, it's this game where you explore a dystopian city it's a first-person adventure game, and the American version starred Corey Feldman. A first-person adventure game starring Corey Feldman, Dystopian City. Yep. I am ashamed to say I don't know. Okay, it's a game called Normality. Right, okay. I only know this because of you, but I should have remembered this because, yeah. This is the game that you keep, you've you asked me for the last about four months to make sure I've got installed yeah, yeah. Have, yeah. have you bought normality yet um yeah yeah i've bought it i bought it last week oh the next week oh have you bought normality yet yeah i told you last week that i bought it the week before every day every week even for four months chris has asked me about this game i have a very short attention span i uninstalled it last week Did you really no you didn't <laughs> no of course i didn't good i so i had a feeling it was coming up but i have i genuinely have no idea about this game not one little tiny smidgen of information is lodged in my head about normality right well i better launch into my info dump then the game was released on the pc in june 1996 by Grenin interactive a british software company based in sheffield do you know Grenin interactive at all uh i do know i yes i know gremlin interactive but i can't remember why they are famous for games such as actual soccer premier manager and zool any of those ringing bells yeah right okay so gremlin interactive have been on my radar lately i kind of remember them from way back mm. when they were current but actually, if you follow, you know, the National Video Games Museum, mm-hmm. which is based in Sheffield. Uh, of course, yeah. They've been tweeting a lot about Zool, which is the Gremlin Interactive game. Yeah. And they do a lot of sort of work around the local industry and the things that are going on right now. But they also do a lot about a lot of talk about Zool. Uh, and apparently they, they really like it, which, well, you know, I'm, each to their own. Yeah, I'm glad someone does. I 
wasn't keen on so they will come up at some point uh, it's not one of my favorites the other thing that i've learned from them is that there is a zool sequel which i wasn't aware of until last year yeah i remember seeing adverts for that when it came out i think there's a, a second character that was a, a female ninja oh, really? and i believe so yeah but i've played it mm. so there you go no right, so, well so that's, no so that's great why would you absolutely Starts Gremlin. They were tricked along doing their thing, and then in 1997 they acquired DMA Design. Really? In 97? Mm-hmm. So that was that would have been post Lemmings. Yes. Uh, for anyone, for, for anyone that is unaware of DMA Design, we've talked about them when we did the Lemmings episode. They made Lemmings, which is obviously a big deal in gaming terms but they also went on to make grand theft auto grand theft auto 2 before becoming rockstar north based in in dundee so gremlin interactive bought dma design so I, I thought that dma design were bought by take two okay so that comes later in this timeline as an as an aside so we've got Gremlin interactive owning the dma design in 1997 a couple years later in 1999 they were bought by infograms i think i'm pronouncing that correctly yeah yep okay good they were bought by infograms in they as in Gremlin, who were only DMA design, were bought by Infograms in 1999 for £24 million. Right. So uh, that by Infograms? Yeah. So how do we get, how does DMA design end up in the hands of Take-Two if, if it's owned by Infograms? Because as shortly after that deal, Infograms then sold DMA design to Take-Two Interactive for £11 million. Pounds. What? <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Really? And, oh uh, my god. So... We all know how that part of the story ended up. And yeah, what terrible timing as well, because 1999, just a, you know, a couple of years before GTA 3. Yeah, for it all kicked off. And sadly for Gremlin Interactive, they were then closed down in 2003 by Infograms. Uh, oh, they- my God. Yeah. Oh, that's dark. That's sad. So they sold DMA Design for $11 million mm-hmm. shortly before, rel- in relative terms, shortly before GTA 3 was put out of the door. And millions and, rest- and millions of pounds, or in fact, billions of pounds later. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, 11 million, I, I wasn't completely sure if it was pounds or dollars. I said pounds, you said dollars. The- but the number 11 million was bandied around. Either right, way. Okay. It's a lot of money, and as I said, we all know how that ended up. Uh, the game was self-published in the UK by Gremlin Interactive, with only three people voicing all the characters. So I looked into these three people. They are Tom Hill, Rob Rackstraw, and Lorelai King, all of whom primarily seem to do voice acting work. But the reason I brought up their names is because Lorelai King did voices for Subnautica and the movies, which we have covered recently. Really? That yeah. is a... So for both of the games, that's pretty cool. Yeah. that There's there's like 10 years between those games. In fact, yeah. more. You know, yeah. about 10 years between those games. So she's been in the industry for that whole time. That's Absolutely. Cool, cool, yeah. cool, cool. I mentioned in the intro about Corey Feldman. So yeah. with the game coming out in the UK in June 1996, Interplay got involved. Now, we've talked about Interplay relatively oh, it's recently. Like, it's like the godfathers of, of 90s gaming, all <laughs> yeah, of them, Infograms, Interplay. Where's Bullfrog yeah. in all of this? What are they doing? <laughs> Just watching from the sidelines? Cheerleaders, possibly. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't remember, we discussed Interplay relatively recently in our Earthwind Gym episode. They were the company that mm. bought Shiny Entertainment and acquired the Earthwind Gym license in 1996. So very much big on the scene in 1996, mm. which is when Normality is being released. Interplay wanted to publish the game in America and they decided as part of their marketing push and to try and rebrand the game and make it big in America, they would replace these this three-person voice cast with 
a range of actors to appeal to the American audience. One oh, of those... I thought you were going to say with Corey Feldman. So it went from three people to just Corey doing doing all the voices. Well, it, That would have been good. <laughs> I'd have bought that. It ended up being a load of people who just do voice acting in games and Corey Feldman. Ah. This is one of only three video game roles that he has ever done. The other two being a 2014 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game and the third game being a Minecraft game from 2015. So 20 years between this first game that he gave his voice to and then these other ones. Personally, I don't know how you feel, but I'm not sure Corey Feldman would have been a particularly big sell for the game in 1996. Mm, No, kind of past his sort of peak period, hasn't he, really, in the the 80s. Uh, I think they, you know, the two Corys had some credence in popular culture so maybe i don't know i think it would have had some clouds and it would have i, I see the point behind it the fact yeah, that it would have escalated that's what it. i'm trying to say really yeah i looked into what his output was around this time mid 90s and it seemed to be primarily straight to vhs as it was at the time films so you can draw your own conclusions from that and interestingly you know they went for this this big name Corey Feldman and that that was mm. the main thing and reviewers and fans were divided over this voice work some people absolutely loved it and thought it was brilliant some people absolutely hated it and for them it really dragged the game down the version we are going to be playing tonight which is the version that's available on Steam and good old games is the original UK version the Corey Feldman ah. version is not available on, uh, on current systems telling. yeah i might see if i can find some bits on youtube just so we can do a bit of a comparison and see where yeah we sit i went down a bit of a youtube rabbit hole doing the same thing there are clips on youtube of the american version and there's also a, a video i found where someone has gone through the process of basically hacking the game and inputting in Corey feldman's voice files so you can then play it yeah. in that in that version but uh, i've i've not got the technical know-how to, to do that but uh, the option is there if you wanted it mm-hmm the game itself, then, I didn't go too much into the plot because I don't remember a great deal about the game setting, really. I want it to be a surprise when we play it through. From what I can yeah. remember, it's about a very grimy industrial city. It's it's this dystopian 1984 Brave New World sort, Brave New World sort of thing, where the main mm. character finds out about an underground resistance movement going against this, and he joins them in a in a fight to overthrow the system. I just remember this whole, like like I said, this this griminess that the city's smoggy and quite oppressive and um not sort of a blade runner-esque yeah yeah although not quite as well realized that i don't think okay although I, I do remember really enjoying this game i played this at a friend's house when i was probably about 12 or 13 so looking about 20 years ago since last time i played it and she had the game and i'd sort of go around to her house and play it with her for a bit then we get stuck on a puzzle i'd go around to her house going a month or so later and she'd have got past that puzzle but then be stuck on another puzzle and then we get through that puzzle together and that sort of carried on throughout the whole playthrough really and it eventually culminated in me borrowing the game off her this was back in the early days of us getting the internet and it was the first game i downloaded a walkthrough for off game faqs so i remember sitting there with a with a walkthrough from game faqs playing through the entire game and completing it i then gave her the game back with the guys and then she, obviously she was able to complete it and that was kind of the end of my relationship with this it this presumably was fairly this was painful was this the noughties or was this late 90s or yeah this would have been so when i was playing it say 12 or 13 this would have been 98 99 that i was playing it. you were an early adopter of the internet fairly yeah. early in, in relative yeah. terms certainly as far as i was concerned i and didn't I, know any with the, anyone with the internet at um, that point and i think my friend had acquired it through like a 
you know, like a, a reduced price type thing. I don't think it was the sort of game that yeah. she usually played. It was. Are just we talking like sold out gaming? Kind I think, of. I think that sort of thing. Yeah, but um, but not in a, not in a particular line. Just that it was just you know a, a bit just cheaper literally in the bargain basement. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The thing is though, that doesn't mean anything because the 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 approach in the nineties of of even gaming places like Electronics Boutique in the UK that they were just churning through their mm. stock and they were treating it like any other like any other stock you, you'd be as likely to find a really good game in the bargain bin in electronics boutique as you would if you were in Woolworths or mm. whatever it was well worth a little dive in there especially as a child uh, as a kid because you could get th- those sold out games you could often pick those up for for two three quid in a bargain yeah. bin yeah, in eb electronics boutique it, it, or or woolworths or, or various other places wh smiths even yeah i think it actually, was really weird i think i picked up dungeon keeper and it was dungeon keeper with the that was like a not dlc obviously the it was like an expansion pack yeah i think i picked them both up for a fiver on a on a cd in a cd case in debate smiths on one of those those thing a carousel thing you know something I where they're all yeah like exactly round. the sort of thing you find in a chemist that's yeah. uh, selling hard-boiled sweets but <laughs> yeah. in in wh smith selling games exactly yeah. they just didn't know how to market them and they didn't know how to sell them no to its credit i remember this game being really good so as you have said this bargain basement aspect to it i don't feel is fair because i do no. have very fond memories of the game the game that is a quintessential example of that for me is toonstruck i got mm. a sold out gaming version of toonstruck yeah for about I've, I've, two I've got quid. it i got it on and sold out games thing yeah. as well and it was it was from do you remember tradex in lincoln this is uh did you ever go to tradex in lincoln yeah yeah, it, it was in Tradex in Lincoln. I got a Joe Bloggs t-shirt as well at the same time. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, nobody, that, that's super niche. Nobody that doesn't, that lives outside of Lincoln and is, you know, under 30 will really even remember Tradex, so. Well, Tradex was one of those things where you had to, was it had the to be a member had, or something? Yeah, you had to pretend you were part of a business in order to get in. Did like you? A, like a, I didn't like know a, that. I was like, nine. Like cash and carry type thing. Uh, Sort of like that, isn't it? Yeah. 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 You definitely had a card, a Tradex yeah, card. you did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is just for us. We're <laughs> sorry, everybody. God Let's get it. back to business. Yes, as I said in the intro, it's a first-person adventure. Now, I thought this was quite unusual, so I looked into first-person adventure games, and on Wikipedia, there's a directory of first-person adventure games, and there are 184 currently listed on there. So it's not quite hmm. as unusual as I thought. No, big names. I mean, missed. I suppose is that. Does that count? Yeah, I scanned right through the titles, and I'll be honest, I hadn't heard of the vast majority of them, but uh, but Miss was definitely on there. Okay. There was. I can't uh, think of any others. I thought off of, the top of my head. I thought of Gone Home. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, so like walking simulator type. Mm, but then, fair. so but uh, then to it, me, um, that's deviating yeah. a bit. Dear Esther, and um, was that on there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everybody's gone to the Rapture. Yeah, that sort of that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. In terms of it being a first-person adventure game, one of the things I remember very clearly, which I think is very clever, is you press the right mouse button and it brings up a voodoo doll of the main character who's called Ket. Mm. This voodoo doll is the way you interact with the environment around you. So you click on the voodoo doll's eyes and then it goes back to the main game and you click on something in order to look at it. You do the same for its mouth in order to talk to people. Mm. Mm. And it, its left hand is free and he's got this kind of like grabbing hand position. So you click on that and then click on something in order to pick it up or interact with it in some way in the voodoo doll's right hand there is a grappling hook which you then use oh there's that to pick up items sorry and then the other hand is to to use items and then the Mm. voodoo doll has got a a cavity that 
it on hinges that opens in the middle of its chest and use that, click on that, and then that's inventory? how you open doors and fridges and things like that. Oh, right, okay. The inventory is represented by a satchel in the top corner, so he carries these oh. kind of things around with him. I just think that's quite a, a unusual way to interact with the environment, in- really. Engaging UI. Absolutely. That's a nice way mm. to phrase it. Uh, critics pr- liked the game when it came out. They liked the three exploration, oh, the interface, nice. and the puzzles. Although, well, they, I said that, but it was averaging 60 to 80%. So it's good, but it's not great. Yeah. Okay. Um, although, yeah. 80% is, is still towards the higher end. Yeah, isn't it? exactly. It's, I, I think that that area, if you're talking percentages, it, that 60 to 80 is a real grey. Mm. space and you're just as likely to pick up something that has averaged a 60 and enjoy it as you are to not and it's really oftentimes oftentimes it's down to personal tastes and what mood you're in (laughs) Um, where especially when you're talking about you know sing a, a single review written by a single person that then goes on to metacritic alongside 80 other single reviews written by a single person obviously with the exception of Fumitsu, uh, who have four single people doing four single reviews and so on um when it's when that's what's being aggregated um i'm just not sure how much weight it always holds yeah absolutely on that note then i've gone through all my notes uh, shall we crack on with the game and see what it's like if that 60 to 80 percent is fair or not go for it the game that critics gave 60 to 80 percent ashley what would you give it i would definitely put it at the lower end of the 60 to 80 (laughs) category if i was being generous because i don't really like it i think it's not that good really for lots of reasons which i'm sure we'll get to yeah i'm having similar i'm in one of those moods where i've gone back to a game that i really liked when i was little and it's not very good so i'm feeling a bit sad yeah i'm worrying that i am negative about your beloved games and then that sways your opinion so hopefully it's not that no i just didn't really enjoy it no for lots of reasons as i said so to get the ball rolling the whole thing just didn't hang together very well in in terms of plot or narrative, it, it just felt like a series of non-secretaires strung together in very, in different scenes, which isn't good, is it? There's a map screen you can access at any point by pressing M and then instantly warping to other areas of the map uh, of the world. But again, that's, that's the same for most point-and-click type games. But these different scenarios, like Ashley said, they just didn't hang together very well. There was no writing plot, but... It was given to you in these massive exposition dumps by characters just telling you blow by blow. This has happened. This has happened. This has happened. Uh, one and point- random ones just completely randomly placed and you encounter them. But there's no real reason, no real drive behind it. It's I was in places, but I didn't feel like I understood really why I was that there at any no. one point. And, and that was partly because the game wasn't doing a very good job of setting its stall out. But also because even when it told you things, it did it in such a boring way, mm. as such an unengaging way, that I would forget. And it could be like two minutes yeah. <laughs> before 
It, two minutes earlier, it says, oh, yeah, a T-shirt factory or something. Uh, fa- sorry. Sofa Furniture factory. factory. But even when I was wandering around the sofa factory, which is the kind of the, the first major location you get to, really, I guess, even wandering around, around there, I just ended up clicking on things randomly and, and looking at things and, and using things just to try and figure out what I needed to do in order to, to progress to the next puzzle. It just did not hang together very well. And there was one puzzle in particular no. where you had to place some debris that you'd picked up on a bed which you'd previously turned on this electric bed and then this guard who in the location was really far away from where you were then came running across and to get the debris for no particular reason and then because the bed was turned on he then fell asleep straight away and then that's then enabled you to get to the next area that he was preventing you from getting to it just made no sense that was a perfect example that puzzle of the over-engineered adventure game puzzle mm. this feels like one of those this whole game actually feels like like an example of that like the death of adventure games this is the explanation for why adventure games died in the early noughties maybe but maybe that's unfair because this was the mid 90s so it was really making an effort early in the adventure game story to to kill it off but it was prepping the nails for the coffin for sure that puzzle was just so convoluted you you have done it a a favour really by glossing over the beginning of it because you had to pick up a battery that was randomly sat around this sofa factory. Oh yeah, and you just had to pick battery up battery that was lying out in the open. There was no attempt at trying to put it yeah. in, in a garage, for example, somewhere to where maybe this, this and, and this is a car battery, not just a couple of air batteries. Yeah. It's a proper car battery who just is just lying around on the floor in this factory. That's not even the most ridiculous bit because instead of just so the bed this vibrating bed had a bare wire sticking out of the back which you were supposed to connect the battery up to but you don't just connect the battery up to the bare wire you had to go to a different room and find this current sender receiver one one part of it was connected to a radio and the other part was plugged into the to the wall to the mains in the wall and somehow it wirelessly sent current from one to the other which I suppose in some ways is, is sci-fi in 1996 and, and forward thinking in maybe in a way. But just connect the battery to the bare wire. I, I don't understand why you add this extra step. Then, so that was the beginning of just getting the ba- the bed going. Then you had to climb up into the air vents and go and steal this broken chair that was on display in a room in, a, in an alarmed case for, no for some apparent reason. And once you'd stolen that, you put that was the debris that Chris said you put on the bed. You put this on the bed, and then it wasn't just a guard; it was the waste engineer, the one that was a man who, probably about five rooms away mm. from where this bed actually is, was stood guarding again for no apparent reason, guarding the machinery that you needed access to so you you go through this completely unrelated chain of events to set up this bed trap for this waste man to come and get himself involved in and then fall asleep because the bed is vibrating such that it relaxes him i i I don't get it no (laughs) on top of that i mean this is a logic flaw a, a logic hole at the bottom of the stairs that you go up to get to this bed was an actual guard who was labeled guard which the waste engineer the waste engineer not guard the waste engineer would have had to pass in order to come and intercept you putting the debris on the bed so what is the guard doing why didn't the guard come and get you 
Yeah. For a start. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. That I only no. managed to solve that puzzle because there was some sort of dusty corner of my memory where I thought, oh, I think you put something on the bed once you turned it on. But without that, I that would have been a perfect example of just clicking on things randomly and hoping that something mm. something works. Because why would you put some random bits of wood on this bed? It make, makes no sense no. whatsoever and it's there was no there was no contextualization for it. it wasn't like the waste engineer when you had a conversation with him said oh i get sad when there's waste when there's debris on the bed or i get sad when people make a mess and i have to i i have to immediately go and clear it up there was there was nothing not even some lazy crappy contextualization some justification for why he chases you halfway across the factory to, to clear up this debris it was silly and that was a microcosm the convoluted uninteresting unengaging nature of that puzzle was a microcosm of the whole game yeah because the whole thing was just a trash fire it feels like a parody of of adventure games but i don't think it's clever enough that i think it is just a bad adventure game and it takes those tropes and does them but manhandles them so much as to be just not fun to call it a parody is just so generous because it's not funny for a start it's well, not knowing. In order to be a parody, it has to. People have to be in control of the way they are evoking the genre or the medium that they are sending up. And there's just no. There was no control no. here. It came off as just. And and this. So Gremlin at this point weren't actually. I looked up Gremlin's game history, everything that they made, and they had been making games by this point for a long time. And some of them that I really like. So. They made Premier Manager 97, which I do not recall, but Premier Manager 97, a football game, is a great game. (laughs) And they made a bunch of other Premier Managers on top of that, along with lots of other games, all the actual games, as you mentioned. So they've got chops. They do know how to make games. I just don't think that they know how to make adventure games at this point. Actually, I played the version that's available on Steam, which comes with the... Uh, manual and in the manual it gives you a step-by-step guide as to how to escape the first area of the game which i thought was quite good that the game gives you that helping hand having played it i'm now wondering if maybe that's included because perhaps people maybe as part of testing perhaps maybe people just struggled to get to grips with the logic of the game to escape the first area you had to basically put some white paint in some coffee to make someone else think it was milky in order to shrink it and then that was that i think i would have figured that out eventually but again probably just through randomness or just thinking oh what if i try this i don't think there's any cleverness or anything intelligence behind that it's got the whiff of an adventure game it's got the whiff of an adventure game puzzle that in a way that other game parts of the game so another thing that you had to do and i didn't really understand why you had to do it but i do get why you had to do this because there was someone waiting outside the flat for you or whatever and you had to escape without them realizing that you were escaping so but but your television kept turning itself off and you had to set up a a remote with a nodding bird toy that would press the on button every time the tv turned off and it was just like yeah it's an adventure game but it's like it's just not a very satisfying conclusion to the puzzle no of 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 the situation It, it, it everything was like that the whole experience from beginning to well not end for us but by banging out time i used to have one of those nodding bird toys and watching that go was more satisfying i think than playing this game (sighs) 
yeah. Just to pick up on a point that you've just made there about the humour, another negative. I think the game was trying to be funny, but it just came across as a too try-hard. A lot of the humour just didn't yeah. land right. Hmm, yeah, yeah. And it was this weird mix as well. At one point, I said to you, didn't I, it seemed to want to be edgy, but it also seemed to want to be Wallace and Gromit at the mm. same time. And those two things do not mesh well together. Or at least I've not, I've not seen anybody mesh those two things together. I'd love to see someone successfully do it. An edgy Wallace and Gromit would be interesting, to say the least. But this tried in 1990-something and and fell on its face so very hard. It was, you said at one point, about the Britishness of the humour, which I kind of get, and I think that's what I was picking up on with the Wallace and Gromit element of it but at the same time it was like listening to primary school kids in the playground that that was the level of the british humor so it had a british taint to it but it wasn't good (laughs) it was it was very very bad (laughs) with the britishness what i meant was i liked the fact the game seemed to be set in britain on the street outside yes. his flat, there was a, one of those green road signs you get on A roads in, in Britain, mm. and it seemed to have this British setting. However, there were people with American accents, and the game itself, this dystopian city, just did not seem British. So yeah. I think Gremlin were maybe trying to do something, bring something to adventure game genre that had this sense of identity, but I don't think the identity was, was fully realised. Yeah, I think actually that they hadn't thought about how to deliver on that. I think, mm. yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you. They were trying to create a game with an identity. And what they ended up with, for various reasons probably, was a game that had no identity. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the main issues really was, you said about there were uh, people with American accents and there were... Uh, and, but actually, again, it doesn't stop there because there were people with American accents. There was someone with a Birmingham accent or a West Country accent. There was um, a Yorkshireman um, in the mix. There was um, a, a man with a Cockney accent. And they were all very, very, very caricatured in the way they sounded. And so what you ended up with was a game that felt like it was nowhere. Yeah. It was just this... I mean, again, I feel like even putting it in these terms is doing it too many favours, but it was just this nowhere space, this liminal space that didn't exist anywhere in particular. But that makes it sound too highfalutin. It was just, it was just lost. The whole thing was lost. They didn't know what it where it wanted to be. It didn't know what it wanted no. to be. Part of that could be down to the fact that they had, as you as you explained, they had those three actors that delivered all of the dialogue for for all of the characters maybe if they were delivering multiple characters they would have to have tried to differentiate between this character and that character but the way that it seems that they've done that is gone oh yeah well i can do a half decent brummy accent and i can do a half decent yorkshire accent so that character's a yorkshireman and that character's a a brummy because that's what i'm able to do it wasn't a good idea, and they should have they should have thought about that a little bit more. I did like thinking about what you said about Wallace and Gromit, and this is maybe why you're thinking about that. I did like the 3D character models that you encountered because I thought they looked they looked um, tactile and yeah, and the look of them looked like plasticine. It looked like something out of Wallace and Gromit. Is that mm. why you you referenced that? No, it was just the it was the nature of the characters. I think it was the Britishness of the characters. It was when I was talking 
um, to not the auctionman, interestingly, uh, but when I was talking to the boss at the factory, it something just screamed out to me. Um, this it, it, it was because it was jarring. It tried to set up this idea of a dystopia and this edginess and this character, this main character Kent, who was a slacker sort of character and then it face planted into this other character who was sort of a bit of a bumbly CEO manager type. Uh, factory manager yeah ceo type um and and quintessentially british and and that lent this element of of wallace and wallace and gromit proceedings that just bounced completely off what it tried to do from the outset so it was that i think go on i did like that bit of the game though because at that point after being hit around the head multiple times with exposition this is happening this is happening this is happening suddenly within the sofa factory there's elements of plot being hinted at and i was using something that someone said i was thinking about things that i noticed around the factory and i was joining the dots together to draw my conclusions mm. i really liked that and it would have been nice to see more of that however for me it was too little too late and by that point i wasn't really that interested because what i was stringing together from the crumbs i was given it didn't really make any sense anyway it didn't make any sense and it wasn't very engaging as a no. conspiracy and it, it came it did come too little too late because even when you were at the factory you were still being bashed around the head as you, as you said with the exposition being delivered by brindler or tiddler or whatever his name was yeah tiddler the the ceo type character it was far too exposition heavy and you've mentioned the slacker character that you play as with him being the lead character it made me wonder as well who the game is aimed at because his bill and ted green dog going back to episode one vibe did, did not sit well with the no. atmosphere and the environment of the game and i didn't feel any empathy or any connection with him and then when you've then transplanted that character into a game where the puzzles because of their obtuse nature are quite difficult and i think would be aimed more at seasoned adventure game players i just don't understand who it's aimed at which then makes me wonder yeah you know would cory feldman have made the game better or would he have made it worse i don't know <laughs> It's a very, very good question. I forgot to actually look look that up on YouTube. Um, so that's a shame. I'll have to do that after the fact and maybe we can link that to yeah. people on our Facebook or whatever as we as we sometimes do. Everything was scattershot, it felt like, in terms of who it was aimed at, it, even in terms of the character, the characters that appeared. Y you had the main character who was the slacker and the first character you actually see outside of him was what to me looked like a fisherman, like a trawlerman who incidentally also washed windows and lived on the window cleaning apparatus outside of Kent's flat. And I, don't, also, I don't know what that character was. And also was a rebel, yeah, a revolutionary, exactly. yeah. weirdly. And then every other character was just like, oh, well, let's just throw some things together. And whatever comes out of the other end uh, is, is, is what that character is. So there was some leaflet guy outside the mall. There was a robot guard, which is weirdly, pointedly obvious to do. And didn't fit in with the the factory setting anyway. I, I don't know. I, I I'm getting exasperated even just thinking about it. Let me just jump back to something that you were saying because you asked me about the you said about the look of the game and how actually you you kind of liked the way the characters were rendered. Mm -hmm. I actually agree with that. I think that was the the way the game looked uh, in parts. That was a positive to take away from it because yes, there were these uh, cutscenes that were all rendered. Uh, in computer they were all cgi they were a very mid to late 90s 
style aesthetic to them it, it reminded me if anybody's played heart of darkness that's the game that to me is quintessentially that period of cgi rendering it reminds me of the theme hospital introduction mm. the, the look of the characters I, I distinctly remember when i loaded it up the intro sequence i remember playing it back in the day and thinking that games are not going to get any better than this the, the look of it yeah well it was exactly that yeah like a bit like, so like old, hospital... old queen victoria back in the victorian age yep this is it if the future's not going to get better than that was me playing yeah. this in the in the late 90s. Oh, look at the Zoe scope go. <laughs> this is my bread and butter. It's not going to get better than this. Um, Theme Hospital is a perfect example and probably one that people will know better than Heart of Darkness. But if you Google Heart of Darkness PC game, you will see... Or, or hey, just like, instead of going around the houses about this thing just, just google, google normality. normality pc game and you will see how how it was all rendered cgi wise also the way that they built the levels or the or the environments and coupling that with the first person view i really liked how all of that came together i thought visually it looked very nice it was all pixel art and it it had the that I can't remember what the I can't remember what the technique is, but it's sort of all the pixel art sort of turned to to face you to maintain a perspective, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes a lot of the time, most of the time, that worked to its benefit. Sometimes, uh, and you can go into this if you want, but you don't have to. Uh, I don't think it's. I'm not sure how worth it is, but sometimes that was broken. Sometimes you would find that things were spinning to maintain perspective and it was spinning in such a way that it, it was, bad. was wrong. There was a man floating over a bed that was almost spinning like a helicopter blade. I got used to the controls as well while we're thinking about positives. And I think the Voodoo Doll control system worked really well. I think it was visually unique in terms of the way that an adventure game delivers its UI, but it was also a bit of an obstruction because you had to bring it up every time you wanted to do something. And if you think about how scum games represent their interactivity, that was much more accessible, to be honest. We're using the verbs at the bottom. Oh, I don't know. You tried to be positive and I made it negative and I'm starting to feel like a, neg- a negative <laughs> well, Nancy. Let's end on a vague positive that the controls aren't okay. too bad. Unless there's anything else you wanted to celebrate or commiserate about the game i don't uh, yeah let's commiserate the fact that i'm not convinced by the controls i thought that they were slow to react and uh um i won't be playing this again and i don't recommend people buy it even if it's 71p like when i bought it sorry everybody it's only sorry in particular to gremlin interactive the game has only ever been available on home computers at the time of recording it is a mere two pounds and nine pence on both good old games Mm. and steam but it's often on sale i think i should just mention getting it for 71p i think i picked it up on steam for 36p at some point when it was on some ridiculous sale yeah is it even worth 36p i think it's not really the money i think it's the time how long to beat is another website that we uh, use just to sort of get background on games. How long to beat's got this listed as five hours long, mm-hmm. and then on YouTube it's there's a playthrough too that's many hours, three and a half hours. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is even if they if they know the game inside out and they're ramble, they're, they're rampaging through it, three and a half hours at max at max pelt is a long time for a game that is dragging its heels so much. I wouldn't recommend it. We're cementing this as a hard pass. Then I'd say hard pass. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sad times. I I was looking forward to this game because you've been pestering me about installing it and buying it and all that. I was like, well, this must be a good one. Chris is Chris yeah. is building me up for this. And I went into it at the end of the first half saying, yeah, this is. I remember it's been really good. You know, I'm really looking forward to this, yeah. and, I, and I really was. And I 
I genuinely just... feel sorry for you. Like, I, I'm not even joking. I feel really sorry for you because I was hoping that you would get something good out of this. And once again, it's just misery. It's just, we're just ending. We're going to go to bed now. Not together. <laughs> Different houses. Just for clarity. But it's we're going to go to all. bed now. You and I and be sad. We're going to go to sleep, probably cry. Probably going to cry ourselves to sleep, and it's all this game's fault. I'll be honest, once we finish recording, I don't think I'll ever think about this game ever again. So you haven't cha- uninstalled it yet, but I think I should. Your challenge for next week, then, is to bring a game that is going to lift us out of this mire and cheer us up. I've thought of a way to end on a positive, okay? So I'm actually so, I'm looking now at the list of Gremlin Interactive Games, everything that they made. They started in 1984 with the Monty Mole series, which I've never played. Sounds interesting. Sounds like a great game. What I'm going to do is tell you just a few games that I think would still be okay. You know, might not be, but we're not going to confirm or deny uh, that today. A few games that I played that I think were all right. Okay. Is that okay? Is that an okay way to end positively? So Premier Manager 97. I know that's not your cup of tea. It's not even really mine now, but I'll tell you now, Premier Manager 97 is the best of them debatable it's really good i I don't like football just for context i don't know if i've ever said that on the on the podcast i'm not a massive football or soccer fan but premier manager 97 still i've played it recently it was fun it's quite eric cantona in uh the actual games so actual soccer actual golf if you like golf actual pool all those actual games i remember them being all right body harvest which was on the n64 oh yeah i remember that that was all right as far as i remember um hogs of war that was the one with rick mayo was it i didn't even know that i hadn't remember i didn't remember that he was in that at all Mm -hmm. i still don't remember it even though you said it so but hogs of war is like a army men type game with pigs instead so there you go there's some and apparently rick mail there you go what a high to end on so they are some gremlin interactive games that i am fairly sure would hold up in some form or another in this day right now you could go and play those instead of normality was all what a positive to end on don't touch this game play a different game instead play a different gremlin interactive game that's yeah. what i'm saying all right let's think they did some the good domain. stuff yeah all right then. micro machines that was the last game they made yeah but it wasn't it it was a port rather than a uh actual micro, micro machines. machines that was the last game they made yep. sorry yeah end on a positive <laughs> Thank you all very much for listening. If you've enjoyed us, please come and let us know. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. And please remember to like, share, subscribe, rate, review, tell everyone about us, even people that hate games. That would be great. Yeah, that would be. Don't just tell them once either. Tell them lots of times. Every time you see them on on your dinner break or whatever, tell them. Thank you ever so much for joining us and we'll see you again next week. Bye. Bye.